0: The IEA is at it again. Forecasting disasters are all part of the IEA DNA. And this time, it's the gas crisis next winter. The IEA sees a big gap between supply and demand and therefore a really almost another existential threat to us Europeans, including the United Kingdom. Gas prices, no doubt, would on this scenario go through the roof. But as with all IEA forecasts and the IEA's natural concern to look after its own organisation and its role in the energy consumers' world, as with any of these, we need to take all of this with an enormous pinch of salt. There are three really powerful reasons why It might not be as bad as all that next winter, and indeed why gas prices may be on the way down rather than the way up. First, there's the Russia-Ukraine position. So it's always a good idea to remember who turned the gas off. It wasn't the Europeans who decided not to buy Russian gas. It was the Russians who decided to turn off the taps and it was probably the Russians who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines as well. And whoever turns off the pipes, well, they can turn them back on again. And if we look at where Ukraine Russia's going, there are lots of reasons why we might think that the Russians will feed some more gas back into the European system as 2023 progresses. Why? Well, first of all, It doesn't look likely anyone's going to win in Ukraine, and a rather horrible stalemate is a perfectly plausible outcome. Nobody is prepared to sue for peace because the Russians can't give up on the ambition of gaining territory, and particularly the Crimea, and the Ukrainians can't give up on the idea of their national sovereignty. The fact the Ukrainians are right and the Russians are the invaders and carrying out brutality on a scale not seen for quite a long time in Europe, doesn't detract from the fact that neither side is probably able to force through a conclusion. And we might well see, you know, a Cold War boundary, like in Korea, as we've had between Crimea and Ukraine for some time. And this may roll on into the future. But Russia needs to sell the gas because Russia's economy is in dire straits. And while there might be lots of options for Russia to sell gas eventually elsewhere, the facts are that the pipes flow from east to west and into Europe. So my take is that there is a reasonable chance that more gas will flow into Europe from Russia than is currently uh, happening. And all of this, of course, is in the context in which, this time around, Germany managed to fill all its storage early and maintain its gas storage into, well, the really cold weather of winter, which is now upon us. So I don't think we should take it as given that the Russians are not going to be supplying some more gas into Europe, how probably not what they did before the invasion. Now, a second factor which needs to be borne in mind is just how big LNG is and how fast LNG has come to Europe's rescue this year. It's not just that there is lots of LNG out there in the world markets, but it's the fact that even Germany can build LNG facilities very quickly. Who'd have thought that Germany could actually build one of these in 200 days? And who would have thought that we'd have LNG tankers queuing up in the southern North Sea and the English Channel waiting to get into the European markets. And bear in mind that LNG comes from America, Qatar, and even as far as Australia. And it's LNG which is not in short supply. Qatar's LNG was developed to sell gas into the US market where the US was assumed to be a net importer of LNG. Shell gas has completely transformed that Not only is the US an exporter of LNG gas, but the Qatari gas is not going to the United States anymore and has to go somewhere else. Of course, China might recover. It might get on the Chinese demand side from the Chinese perspective, but never underestimate the amount of gas that there is out there and the capacity to service the European market if push comes to shove next winter and it's really needed. And then on top of all that, there's the efficiency factor. You know, politicians, the commission, IEA, British government, all go on and on about how we've got to have energy efficiency programs. And we probably do have to have them. But the really effective way of getting energy efficiency in place is for the price to go up. And the price has gone up, and the remarkable demand-side effect has been witnessed not so much in countries which have basically protected consumers and business from the full price shocks. But, you know, to have a 20 25% demand reduction in such a short period into this autumn, uh, particularly in Germany, is remarkable. And the thing about efficiency gains that come from price shocks is that they're basically irreversible. That once you've made the efficiency steps, they're in place, in perpetuity, or practically in in perpetuity, and practically most of them at least. So what we've got going on here is a possibility that the gas supplies from Russia might be a bit higher, a possibility that there might be more LNG terminals and more LNG supplies, and the possibility that the efficiency gains may be banked and continually banked into the autumn. So I wouldn't get terribly carried away with the notion that we're all going to freeze next winter and there's going to be a massive gas price shock again and there's going to be a serious gas shortage. More likely is a gradual unwinding of the position and if the Ukraine-Russian position fossilises and if there's a temporary semi-temporary, permanent temporary truce along the main river in Ukraine, then I can envisage a world in which uh, things begin to normalise a bit more and gradually things unfold. Then on top of it all, there's the possibility of a global recession anyway, and that would have another big effect on the total global demand for gas, and that again would depress gas prices and make more supplies readily available to Europe. So, instead of getting terribly carried away with the latest enthusiasm of the IEA, what the gas crisis of 222 does is to emphasize that although there are short-term emergency measures that need to be taken, planning for rationing and all that kind of stuff, Actually, what Europe and the UK should be getting on with is the agenda of energy policy reform, which is more medium term and which requires a steady, progressive plodding along of putting the details in place. You know, Europe has to face up to the fact that US shale gas has made America super competitive in energy markets. And it has to add to that the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA Act in the United States, which is grossly misnamed. It's a very large support package for energy investments. And these two together, Shell Gas and the IRA, provide a massive competitive threat to energy-intensive industries within the EU and what the EU has to face up to is the possibility that the investments going to take place in the United States rather than Europe and part of that is because of the differential cost of energy and the carbon prices in Europe as opposed to the United States. Good steps been made which is finally the EU's got its act together on the carbon border adjustments but that needs to be thought through. Europe needs a policy to address its energy competitiveness going forward, in the context also of its net zero ambitions, and it has to do this by re-examining the framework of its energy policies. You know, it has to integrate its gas and electricity networks. This crisis this year is a wake-up call to interconnection. The benefits from an integrated network are portfolio effects. They give you more security, but they also reduce prices to meet any demand in the market. Europe should finally get on with its European transmission and gas networks. It should get on with dealing with intermittency and think very clearly about the network requirements to deal with that within countries as well as between countries. It should get on with market reform to integrate properly zero marginal cost, renewables, and indeed nuclear technologies. And in doing that, it would avoid the windfall taxes and all the emergency measures that's been needed. If price equaled cost, as opposed to price of all the electricity equals the marginal spot price of gas, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're currently in. And yes, there's that carbon border adjustment and the integration of carbon pricing to get on with as well. Instead of concentrating on short-term measures and panicking at the scaremongering of the IEA and others, well, what Europe should do is get on with developing a 21st century energy policy and an energy policy framework with the networks which are fit for the purposes of trying to achieve net zero. That's where we should focus, and less on short-term panics about particular fossil fuel prices. Thank you.